Good evening. How are you? Sure is nice to be back. Well, thank you for that warm introduction. That's always nice to have. I wish I had that every day. Well, we are back from Gulu for a while um, as a family. Our kids are in school, and my wife's getting a much-needed break from homeschooling. Um, she's been doing it for six years on the field. Uh, we have five children, and um, it's just nice to say it's just nice that the kids can go to a school, and Becca gets a break and is able to come here and work with the women's ministry and do things like that. And for me, I'm back here, and I'm working in the offices and helping out, but still, i got a lot of work to do with Terabith Ministries as well. But we're here for a while um, and enjoying this time, but we'll go back again next year um, and just head back out for a couple, three, four more years. And then but every once in a while, I'll come back and you'll see me. But it's nice to be back here. It's home for me. Um, and it's always fun to communicate what God's doing. It's one of my jobs as the director of the organization is to make sure everybody knows, especially at our home church, what's happening at Terebinth um, because you guys support it so much. And we've already now graduated, or we've taken two classes of pastors. We have a three-year school. We've taken two different uh, groups of pastors through a three-year school already. We were supposed to graduate them already, but you know, the whole COVID thing, it's a mess over there as well. And they're limiting sizes of groups gathering. And so April 2nd, our second class will actually walk across the stage and receive a diploma. And so after three years of going through the entire Bible, uh, they've earned it and we're excited for them. But we're actually starting two new classes in February. We're going to now start increasing our capacity for more pastors to come in. It's our flagship ministry. Um, and it's an absolute joy to see some of these pastors who can never afford training to be able to receive the training and come in. Um, so they come in one week of every month. We have them literally a quarter of their life for three years. That's the sacrifice they're giving them and their families. And so continue to pray for us. Thank you for those who support that. And right now with uh, the widow's ministry, it's one of this, the shining spots in our ministry because it's so much fun to see the widows um, be ministered to. But man, there's, there's some strong ladies Um, We have 168 widows right now that we're supporting uh, with a massive food package. Our farm helps feed them. Our pastors that we train, um, they're the ones that are operating and um, organizing and operating this 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 part of the ministry to go reach these widows. Our pastors that we train then go train their people in their church and their people go minister to those widows. That's how this is working. And so that's what we're trying to do by supporting the local church that way. That's what Terabinth is doing. And so if you want to get behind this class that we have going on, we're going to have now two classes. It takes $50 a month to, um, to sponsor a pastor. It takes $50 a month to sponsor a widow. If you guys want to get behind that, we would love for new people to jump in. If you, if you don't already have ministries that you're supporting and you're looking for one, we would love to have you. And so we're also expanding our school, which is really nice. And so two years ago, right before COVID happened, the government came out and said, every senior pastor in Uganda has to have a certification from an actual school, an accredited school. Well, nine out of 1,000 pastors in Uganda actually have any training whatsoever. So it's going to be a huge problem. So before that shoe drops, we're trying to get prepared. And so with the expansion of the school, um, we started that process. It's going to be probably quite a while until we can finish it. But we're looking to now go accredited so we can meet the government's demands and take, they have a lot of requirements, and that's why we have to kind of expand. But we're looking to have two different schools going on at one time. Um, one in the town of Gulu and one where our farm is, which is 25 kilometers 
outside of town, that's what's going on. So if you want to get involved just with like a newsletter and be reading and um, see what's going on, we try to release one every month. We're going to try something different for you tech savvy people. I think it's going to work. We tested it yesterday. This is an opportunity for you to break the rules and bring out your cell phone real quick. We're going to put a QR code up on the screens. And if you can point your little camera up there and then kind of focus in and touch it on your camera and it should focus in, it should take you right to... Does it work? All right. Even in the back it should work because that's where I tested it yesterday. And if it doesn't work here, we have them out in in the foyer as well. But you go to our website, this takes you to our website, and you go all the way down to the bottom, and you can sign up for our newsletter by putting your email address in, and you'll get a seven-day free devotional, some true stories that are happening on the field, get you a little bit more involved in what's going on with the ministry, as it will encourage you. It's just a seven-day free devotional. Um, And it'll tell you, our website will tell you more about our ministry. And so, um, of course, I'm going to be out in the table and if you ever want to sit down and have a cup of coffee and, and meet me and, uh, and get to know a little bit about us and I can get to know a little bit about you, just reach out to the church and say, I want to meet with Kent and I'll get a hold of you. Is that okay? You guys ready to start talking about the Bible now? Amen? Okay. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17. You know, one thing that we teach our pastors at our school at Terabeth is to engage the scripture in a way to where it comes alive to you. And you got to have empathy towards the characters within the, within the passages of scripture, whether it's a blind man, whether it's a poor person, whether it's a widow, what, whatever it is. Try to get into the context and get into the scene. And when you can do that, then not only do you understand it more, but it's easier for the people who are listening to them on a weekly basis in their churches to understand the scriptures. And so today I'm going to ask you to kind of put on that, that mindset and kind of try to figure out like what Jesus is doing with these 10 lepers that we're going to read about and study. Um, in the scriptures, you're going to see things that Jesus is doing, like he's healing the blind person. He's healing a lame person or paralyzed person. Um, He's healing a mute, a deaf person. And there's reasons for that. Um, Obviously, he's having compassion on people. He has to come and he's got to display his power so you believe in him as the Messiah. But that's a kind of a 2D surface. There's a 3D uh, surface that you have to kind of look at. And that 3D part, the thing that gives us substance is we have to relate to that person that's being healed. Because he's not just healing a blind person for the sake of healing a blind person. He's healing a blind person to tell us that when you come to me and I save you, I give you salvation, you will see things differently. You were blind, you were walking in darkness, but now you can see. You'll hear things differently. You'll speak differently. You'll walk differently. That's what he's doing when he's out there and he's, he's engaging with all these people and he's healing them that we have to somehow relate to the characters. Well, what about leprosy? How do we relate to that? And that's what we're going to try to accomplish tonight. How do I relate to a leper in the scriptures? Amen? Let's pray. 
Father, I pray that we can understand this passage of Scripture. I pray that you would speak through me in a way that's understandable for the hearer, to, that they can hear it, listen to it, and you with your Holy Spirit can just change their heart to understand you and what you want for them and how they are to be so thankful for all that you have done. Help us to be thankful. Help us to be joyful because of all that you have done. Help us to have our minds blown by your power and who you are. You're the God of mercy, and we need it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to start in verse 11, and we'll go down to verse 19. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of read through these verses, and we're going to observe it first. We're just going to read through them. I'm going to point some things out so we can track, and we're just going to observe these passages of Scripture, okay? It says, Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he had entered a certain village, and there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Stop there for a second. So he's going down to Jerusalem. This is pretty much the end of his earthly life. He's going to go down, if, if this is accurate, which we think it is, he's going down for the Passover. And he's going to be crucified days later, obviously. And most people, if they're going from Galilee to Jerusalem, they're going to take an extra day travel so they don't have to go through Samaria. The Jews did not like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans did not like the Jews. And that goes all the way back into the Old Testament. But essentially what happened was some Jews stayed. Um, the Assyrians didn't take them all out. And when the, when the Assyrians would exile people, they would even bring other people, other foreigners, into the land and then those Jews intermarried with those people, and they kind of adopted maybe some of their ways and their religions. Well, anyways, a pure-blooded Jew would see a Samaritan as a half-breed. They were really the lowest rung of the ladder. And if they walked through Samaria, they would just become filthy, unclean, and they couldn't worship God because they were impure. Jesus didn't care about that. Jesus wanted those Samaritans to come to him. He came to the outcast. He wasn't just coming to the pure right? Because there really is nobody pure. And so he's dragging those disciples, I'm sure, with him. And 10 lepers, as he's walking, it says they were standing afar off. And they recognized Jesus as master and started yelling out to Jesus, just screaming out with a loud voice, Jesus, they're all just yelling. And Jesus looks over, I'm assuming, like, what's all this commotion? And he sees that they're lepers. They recognize him as Jesus, so they knew him. Somehow they heard about him and his power and what he has been doing. And they also recognize him as who? A master. They saw him as master, so they recognized him. They knew him. This was the only way they were going to be cleansed and cured and healed. And they knew that. And they didn't care if they were even acting like fools. They're going to yell to the top of their lungs, have mercy on me. In verse... 14, it says, so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So if you go back into Luke chapter five, you're going to see a man 
that was full of leprosy who came to Jesus, bowed down on his feet and said, Master, or Jesus, if you, um, if you are willing, you could cleanse me. And Jesus touches him and he says, I'm willing, be cleansed. Go to the priest, show him as a testimony of my power. He touched him there. Here, he just kind of calls out and says, just go to the priest and you'll be cleansed. Like he doesn't have any two ways of doing things, like, or one way of doing things. He just does things this randomly because he's Jesus. He can do that. And so you can just picture this. These, two, these 10 Jews are just like looking down with their leprosy and Jesus and the disciples are over there. All right, let's go. And they just take off and start going because Jesus told them to. They're going to go show themselves to the priest. And it said, as they were going, as they went, they were cleansed. So they had to start going and taking steps. And then as they were going, their leprosy started going away. The signs of their leprosy started going away as proof that they were being cleansed. Okay? And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on the face at his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So one out of the ten lepers, while walking, notices he's healed of his leprosy. He turns around and heads back to Jesus before going to the priest. And as he's getting close, because look what it says here. He's glorifying God with a loud voice. He's like singing. And you can just picture this guy. It's just like from the distance and it's coming. The closer he gets, the closer he gets, the louder it gets, the louder it gets. And then ugh, I would have loved to have been a disciple in these moments just to see this. It would have just been terrific. And then this guy who is dirty, his, his, his clothes are torn, and you'll see why later, just falls down at Jesus' feet and starts thanking him. And Jesus point, and he points it out, and he was a Samaritan. Which is interesting because we're going to find out later. It seems like this guy is the only foreigner, the Samaritan. The rest were actually Jews. So the other Jews, I'm sure they were thankful. I'm sure they were happy. I'm sure as they're walking, they're like, this is amazing. I'm going to go to the priest and I'm going to go hang out with my family. I'm going to do all these things I could never do before. But that Samaritan, that foreigner, that reject to a Jewish person says, wait a second, I'm going to do a U-turn here. And whoever that guy was back there, that master, he is greater than that priest I'm going to go visit. I tell you that right now. And I'm going to go thank that guy first before he's going to do his ceremony, I'm sure. Okay? And so Jesus answered and said, now Jesus is going to ask three questions. Were there not ten cleansed? First question. But where are the nine? And were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So just before all this stuff was happening, there were ten loud voices crying out to Jesus, claiming that he's the master. And have mercy on us. There were ten voices yelling. Now there's only one loudly singing coming back. 
And Jesus recognizes that. He's like, why is this guy the one that's coming back when those other nine Jewish lepers should have known and probably would have came back as well? Jesus noticed that, which we should notice that as well. That's going to be part of the message of this thankful leper. Okay? So he says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And I think what Luke wants us to see here, that Jesus desires a thankful heart that returns to him. That's what he's pointing out here. This man is thankful. He's coming to me with a loud voice and singing, saying thank you. So let's examine what would make this particular leper so thankful to Jesus. Um, I think to understand this, we need to understand a little bit about leprosy. Can you go there with me? Kind of like a classroom setting in a bit. Um, Let's figure this thing out, leprosy. Let's examine it a little bit. I don't know if you have or not. Um, It's an ancient disease. Um, If you go to Leviticus, the third book of the Bible, there are two chapters dedicated to this particular disease. There are no other diseases that get any attention at all except leprosy. Leprosy is the only disease that gets attention like this. And let me tell you, Leviticus, I know it gets a bad rap. If you're doing your one-year Bible reading, when you get into Leviticus, like, what is this? It's an amazing read. It's uh, the law, and it's extremely prophetic. I get it. It can be dry at times, but I get into it, right? And every word counts because it's the law. There is no fluff or, like, Every word in the Bible counts. I get that. But Leviticus, man, I mean, every line counts. Every verse counts. And two chapters are dedicated to this one. This disease, leprosy. It's the only disease in the Bible where you are to go to a priest for examination. Like he's a doctor or something. If you get cancer, if you get a toothache, you get anything, the Bible doesn't tell you to go to the high priest to find out what's going on. But if you get a skin rash, it looks like leprosy or something, you have to go to the high priest for this one. You have to. So that makes it unique. If he finds you have this disease, you are excommunicated from the community and live outside the camp until you are cleansed. The only contact that you can have with a human is if the other person would have leprosy. So it's the most feared disease of the time because of what happens to a person who gets leprosy. You're excommunicated. You are out of the community. No longer can you be around your family. I'm going to read out of Leviticus 13, 45 and 46. This is what happens if a person is deemed to have leprosy. It says, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache. And cry, if you are approaching him, he sees you, he has to cover and cry, unclean, unclean. That's how he has to introduce himself and announce himself if you came upon a a leper. His head, his clothes are torn, his head's bare. He says, he shall be unclean all the days he has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean. And he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Unclean means impure. And it goes to 
this, this thought, this idea that sin, a person who is unclean usually has the sign of sin on them. We'll talk more about that in a second, okay? And so in Deuteronomy 24, 8, Moses reminded the children of Israel, the second generation that was about ready to go under the promised land. He reminds them to take heed. This is Deuteronomy 24, 8. Take heed in an outbreak of leprosy that you carefully observe and do according to all the priests the Levites shall teach you just as they commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. So those 10 lepers went through it with, at, with the priest. The priest said, you got leprosy, you're out of here, tear your clothes, let your hair go crazy. When somebody approached you, you got to yell unclean, unclean, you are to associate with nobody except another leper out there. And what's interesting is, is the Jew and the Samaritan, they would never hang out together. But when it comes to the lepers in the leper colony, everybody's at the lowest rung of the ladder, man. And there's no separation. The Jew and the Samaritan were hanging out together, it looks like, huh? And so why so strict? Well, for one, it's a contagious disease and there is no cure and the community had to be protected from it. But also, God wanted leprosy to represent a deeper spiritual truth. It was a disease that was to represent sin and its effects on the person. So we see Old Testament examples of this when Miriam, Moses' sister, gets leprosy for her sin. Then he gets healed. You get King Uzziah. There are two examples there that will show that because of their sin, God strikes them with leprosy. And so God will use leprosy as this symbolism that we should understand that a person who is apart from Christ and has sin is like a leper. And that's why there's so much attention in Leviticus about this. Okay. Um, Here's some random facts about leprosy, by the way, I think that are intriguing, but don't necessarily apply. Um, We didn't even know what caused leprosy until 1873. And that's when a doctor from from Europe with the last name of Hansen discovered the bacterium that causes the disease. Due to the stigma leprosy carried, we changed the name of leprosy to Hansen's disease because of the stigma of a person who has leprosy. If you see you have leprosy, I mean, just, it just devastates them and their family and everything. But supposedly if you change the name, oh, you have Hansen's disease, it's supposed to lessen the blow somehow. So even today we call it Hansen's disease. We don't call it leprosy. And would you be surprised to know it's still around today? On average, 200,000 people a year come down with leprosy. On average. In India, they take 50% of those cases. South America takes a lot of cases. Africa takes a lot of cases. In America, 200 people a year come down with leprosy. Isn't that shocking? You just don't even hear about it anymore, right? In India, there's 750 leper colonies that are in existence today. So when somebody gets leprosy, they go to the colonies. In America, we don't have colonies anymore. Not until like 1960s or 70s, we got rid of them. Well, actually in 2015, there was one that still had six lepers that were healed, but still just lived there. It was off the island of, it was one of the islands in Hawaii. We had one off the coast of Massachusetts, and we had a big one, the, the Big Leprosarium Hospital that was in Carville, Louisiana. 
So we've had it here. We've dealt with it here, even in the U.S. 95% of the people on the earth are immune to the disease. That means if there's 1,000 people in this room, 95% of us would never be affected by it. But 5% of us would be. And that's a pretty, you know, like if I'm going to go gamble or something, which I don't, but if I were, if 95% odds, it's great, right? But when you're dealing with leprosy, 5% chance of me getting it, that's not very good in my, in my thinking, right? And so still to this day, 5% of the human population is susceptible to leprosy. It's caused by a bacterium that slowly mutates into the cells and it can lay dormant in your body for several years before showing any signs that you have it. It spreads through droplets of saliva and mucus, and leprosy itself doesn't kill a person. What kills a person that has leprosy is it kills your nervous system, your central nervous system, your pain network, so you can't feel pain, and you will injure yourself, and you keep injuring yourself in the same location, which causes an infection, and that infection over time will end up killing you. And that's what these people in these leper colonies have to deal with. They just lack pain. And they're a danger to themselves. They can't even cook. They pick up a pot, boom, they burn their hands. They can't feel it. Step on a nail, twist your ankle and break it and keep walking on it. Whatever it is, right? So essentially, this bacteria hijacks your central nervous system, knocks out your pain network, causing the person to have no sense of touch or feel. Now, I'm going to show some pictures. I'm not going to get super graphic, but I think it's important for us to see what people with leprosy, what, what they look like and how it affects them. Um, maybe what these 10 lepers would look like, the people that Jesus was ministering to. Um, you can go really graphic if you want. If you want to do that, go to Google Images and you just type it in and you'll see it, but I'm going to spare you. So I'm going to show some and talk to the slides. Is that Okay. Usually, um, when you get leprosy, the first visual sign are these rash-like symptoms where the nerves underneath your skin start to swell and deaden. Um, This would normally be the first sign. This is what the priests would look at and determine, is it leprosy or not, or is this just something else? So they would determine, is this leprosy, and this is what it would look like. So go to the next slide. You would get little nodules then on your ears. And over time, those nodules then start to cover your face to where you become unrecognizable. And it will kind of spread to your body, but you will become disfigured over time if you're not treated. Even in today's standard, if you're not treated, it'll just overtake you. Next slide. As it goes into the person's body and in the head, Leprosy likes to attack certain areas of the body more than others. The nose usually will be one of the ones that it attacks. And as you can see, like the cartilage just gets absorbed by the body and it'll give kind of like a flat nose. And it will also attack the eyes. And so the eyes have more nerves in them than any other part of your body. So it's more sensitive. But if you get something in your eye or you lose the sensation to blink over time, what happens? You go blind. So lepers usually go blind after many years with it. Next slide. 
And you'll get this condition, they call it claw hand, where it'll start tacking your tendons and it'll knock out this one tendon that'll prevent you from stretching out your hand. And that's what you're seeing here. In the next slide, you'll also see it. So most lepers, they have this condition. It's, a claw, it's called claw hand. So in the next slide, you'll also see it. And as you can notice in a lot of these fingers, that their fingers are starting to come off. Bacteria, leprosy bacteria, likes to uh, attack uh, the, the cooler parts of our body. You know, like when you go outside in the winter, the first things that get cold are your hands, your toes, your nose, your ears. Well, that's where it really thrives. And what happens is over time, and contrary to popular opinion, by the way, leprosy, just the patients, like, one day they look down and their finger just fell off. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. As you keep injuring yourself, then those ulcers and those sores start happening on your hands, and then that infection will then cause your bones to just be get disintegrated within your body, and it just starts shortening up. So a lot of times you'll see them missing fingers, mainly due to infection that's going untreated because they can't feel pain. Next slide. This is the bottom of a leper's foot. I'm sorry if it's a little too graphic. But it's, um, this guy can't feel anything. And so when he walks, he's stepping on a nail or he's stepping on a sharp rock or he's stepping on something hot. Who knows? But the thing is, is the way God devi- like designed the body and the pain network, it's constantly firing off. You don't even realize it, but God is saying, hey, move just, a, just an inch over because your back's starting to feel a little pain. And when you're walking, hey, you're going to adjust your feet and your shoes every once in a while because if you keep hitting on the same spot over and over and over, it'll, it'll do something. It'll cause blisters and then lead to ulcers. And this is what's happening. And eventually, it'll just overtake his foot because he can't feel anything. And it ends up with this next slide where you just don't have much anymore of feet. It just goes away. So you can take it down now. The good news is we have a cure. In the 1940s, when antibiotics were invented, we found the cure for leprosy. It takes about six months to sometimes even over a year of taking large doses of antibiotics to knock out this bacteria. But most of the time, it does, you can't recover your pain. You need pain to live. If you don't, you're a danger to yourself. And most people are like, hey, I'd just love to get rid of pain. No, you wouldn't. A leper prays for pain because it's what's killing them with the, uh, with the lack of pain. So I'm not sure at what stage of the leprosy these 10 lepers were at. Um, they had to be at least the stage where the rash was there because that's what the priest had to see to get them out of the community and out of the camp. More than likely, some of them were probably beyond the rash and had nubs for fingers and nubs for feet. Maybe some were blind. We just don't know, but more than likely, there were just different ranges of lepers. So I asked the question, why would God use leprosy as an object lesson for us and particularly for the sin of the world because that's what, how he links leprosy in the Bible to us. It's the sin in our lives what causes us to essentially destroy ourselves and be 
essentially out of the kingdom of God. And so the effects of leprosy would impact an entire, attack an, an entire body, affecting the way they see, feel, the way they walk, the way they hear. It impacts the way they look physically. And in the same way, our sin affects every part of our lives. So the way we see and hear the world around us, the way we walk through this life and the dangers that cause us, sin numbs us to the things of God. And at the time of Jesus, he was the only hope of being cleansed. That leper, or any leper at that matter, there was no cure. And for us, if we are to see leprosy as the symbol of sin, this greater spiritual truth, Jesus is saying, I'm the only one that can cleanse you and to restore you and give you life, a fruitful, abundant life. But if you want to continue to walk in the way of the world, it's like you're walking with leprosy and sin, and there's no possible way you're going to be unclean. You can't get even get into heaven. You can't do anything according to God. You can't see the things of God. You can't hear the things of God. You can't feel the things of God. And so we're using this, and leprosy, it's a powerful illustration for us, especially for somebody who's still like, I don't know, I'm not sure if I should be saved or not. Um, I don't know. Um, so if you are new to the church, or you're just exploring this, and you're thinking, you're saying it's sin, but what sin do I have? Do I have sin, or this thing you, you call spiritual leprosy? I feel like I'm a good person. And praise the Lord, you probably are in our standards, in our community standards. You probably do great things according to this, but we can't go off of our standard. We go off of God's standard. And God is completely perfect and holy and pure. Unfortunately, we're not. And so you could real quickly go to something called the Ten Commandments, and that's kind of God's gauge that allows us to understand our sin. It's like a mirror. It shows us the dirt and how we need to be cleansed and washed. And once you start going through the Ten Commandments, you start to really find out quickly that according to God's standard, you're not pure, you're not holy, like he would be or he is asking us to be. So even Paul says it in the, in the book of Galatians, the law is our tutor that points us to Christ. It's our school teacher. So when you start going through, such as, if you're looking at commandment six, that you shall not murder. Well, most of us are like, ah, I've never murdered anybody before. But Jesus will say in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said of the old, you shall not murder. But I say to you, even if you had hatred in your heart towards somebody, you've murdered. Uh-oh. What happens there? Are we guilty or not? He said that you shall not commit adultery in the Sermon on the Mount. Because he says, like it says of the old, in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, you shall not even lust after a person in your heart towards them. Like, oh. And you just keep going. You shall not steal, number eight. You shall not lie, number nine. You shall not covet, number ten. And in Scripture, got Jesus is like, if you break one, you break them all. Right? And so right there, we got a problem, don't we? 
We need Jesus' mercy. There's nobody on this planet that's going to be good enough. So for you, if you're like, man, I just never understood why I need Jesus, because he's the only one that can cleanse you of that sin. He became sin for us hanging on the cross. He took our sin upon him so that we could be cleansed if we give our lives to him and walk according to him. That's the gospel. So the Samaritan, why was he so thankful when he came back to Jesus? That's the key. And he understood the gravity of what Jesus healed him from. Now you can kind of understand just a little bit. You have us a little bit more empathy for a leper, right? You understand what they have to go through. Now he has this whole new lease on life, courtesy of Jesus. And before he started doing the eight-day ceremony that's required out of Leviticus 14, he just wanted to come back and say thank you to Jesus and then go about his way with assurance that his faith saved him. I think one of the big takeaways of this passage for us is thankfulness. We, because of what Christ has done for us, we should probably be the most thankful people on the planet. Are we? Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes not. It's up to you to examine yourself and see if you are. But Jesus noticed it, that this guy came back and praised him. He noticed it. And there are scripture after scripture after scripture in the New Testament, particularly of Paul talking to his, his churches. I'm going to show some of the verses up here on the, uh, on the slide, and we'll read them. And it says, when he's talking to the Corinthian church, which was always under attack internally and externally, and he tells them, but give thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. And he also says to the Corinthians, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So he's talking about just give thanks to God through Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, he tells us in 2 Corinthians 9.15, and that's in regard to his grace. Indescribable gift. Thanks be to God. All right? In Colossians, he says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's brought us out of darkness and into light. He's brought us out of sin and made us pure. Thanks be to God for that, Paul says. He keeps reminding the church, you need to be thankful. You need to be thankful. Don't forget, you need to be thankful. Whatsoever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you notice that in every one of the principal references to praising God, Jesus is the reason? On every one of those. Because of Jesus, we praise God because of what they've done for us. And there's a quote, or this, this little story I heard, and as I'm wrapping up here, um, maybe most of you know who Charles Spurgeon is, old-time preacher, Prince of Preachers, that's his name, an amazing guy. He was uh, sharing the gospel with this very talkative lady. And as he, um, she was beginning to understand the good news 
she bursts out and says, oh, Mr. Spurgeon, if Christ saves me, he will never hear the end of it. (laughs) Can we own that one? Amen? He should never hear the end of it. You should praise him and thank him every single day. We should be the most thankful people on the planet because of what he's done for us. If we are to be, spiritually speaking, like a leper, in the demise of a leper and what a leper had to go through, and then we're healed of our sin, like a leper would be healed physically, my goodness, church, that should be enough regardless of our circumstances. We should have joy. We should have thankfulness. We should be praising his name. So this month is December, and we've been coming to church every December the 24th, and we're going to then go through the ritual, to go through the tradition of what we do. And some of us have heard the same message how many times? Jesus was born in a manger, the whole story, and we just get numb to it. You ever been there? Right? We probably all have it sometime. And we're just like, we're just going to go through the motions, tradition, it's what we do. Just contemplate that for a second, what he actually did by coming to the earth. He left his glory in heaven and came in, not just in riches, he came in poverty to relate to us. And he became not just to be served, but to serve and be a bondservant and a slave and die on the cross for us. We're going to celebrate something that's tremendous. But yet we, can, we become numb to, the, to, the, to this, the, these kinds of stories, whether it's this or the Easter story or whatever. And we have to stop and think for a second. Wait a second here. That's a reason to absolutely be going back to Jesus with a loud voice and praising him and falling down on his face because it's just too much to even consider that God would do something like that. When I got saved, it radically changed the way I viewed everything. It, it changed the way I saw the world. It changed the way I would hear things. I would speak differently. I would walk differently. Not physically, like, but you know what I mean? I actually walked halfway around the world to Uganda, like, because of Jesus. It's, it, it can change you, and it's amazing. It's not just salvation. It's all the benefits that you get by walking with the Lord that we should be thankful for. And sometimes we can just get numb to it because of our circumstances that are around it. And today is just a friendly reminder of that one Samaritan leper that just gently reminds us, Jesus recognizes and notices when we return to him and give him thanks. And maybe that's where we just need to be today. Let's just be a church that gives him thanks and gives him praise and rejoices in his name, amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand on our feet. If you need prayer uh, for anything, we would love to pray for you down at the the stages. There'll be pastors and leaders down here that need to, uh, or that will come down here and love to pray for you. If you want to know more about salvation or you want to start asking some questions about that or give your life to the Lord, we'd love to be a part of that with you and get you on the right direction of discipleship. Um, And so 
I would love to also meet you out in the foyer if you would like to come and, and meet me out there as well. But I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful we get to sing a worship song and praise his name. And let's just bow our heads and our hearts to, to who Christ is. I'm going to pray. And Father, I just thank you that we get this opportunity to not only hear your word, but to consider what your word is saying to us. Would you allow us to, be, to hear it with fresh ears today as we go home when we contemplate what this, this leper was coming back and how you noticed him and what he was saved from and what we're saved from? I thank you for it. Help me to be more thankful. I don't want you to hear the end of it. Amen. May God bless all of you. And I look forward to talking with you.